Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Everybody, this is Pastor. Here we go. Here we go. Bless the Lord, everybody. This is Pastor Winfred Burns of Worship and Witness Ministries with the Word on Wednesday. Well, we thank God for you tonight, and we praise him for all that he is doing. And I know that many of you right now are trying to stay warm because it's cold out there. and uh, But we thank God that we're in a nice, warm room and that um, all is well, and it's well in our souls. I want to get started tonight. I want to continue where we left off last week um, with dirty words. Um, And the word that we focused in on last week was forgiveness. I want to continue with that this week because there's a lot more that we need to unpack in that area and a lot of things that we need to ponder. But before we do that, let's um, start our evening with a word of prayer. Uh, Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come. Oh, how we thank you. Oh, how we praise you and we bless you. For you are good and your mercy endures forever. You are faithful. You are true. You, oh God, provide for us. You provided salvation by giving your son, Jesus, for us. And we thank you. You provide shelter for us. You provide food and you provide healing. You restore us, oh God, you lead us. And tonight we just bless you. and We praise you and we honor you. We worship you. You are our Lord. You are our King. Father, tonight we lift up the homeless. We lift up the homeless as well as those who are out trying to minister to them. We lift up every person that's sleeping under a bridge in a shelter. We lift up every person who is wandering the streets with no place to go. Father, we thank you that you have folk out there who love you so much that they too are braving the cold, trying to minister to them, bringing them hot food and, and, and gloves and trying to help them find shelter. We bless you for them. Now, Father, we ask that you would speak to the hearts of those in charge for In America, there should be nobody out on those streets, especially in bitter cold like this. So help us, O Lord. Help us, O Lord, to minister unto them. 
And Father, we ask in Jesus' name that tonight that you would that you would help us as we seek to go into this area of forgiveness. Lead us by your spirit. Oh God, how we bless you and how we praise you that your word is healing. That it bring that it goes to our very souls. Now, God, by the power of your Holy Spirit, speak to us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If you're out there tonight listening, I want to tell you something. I want to give you a message from the Lord. And that Lord is that that message is simple. You are forgiven. Your sins have been forgiven. When God allowed Jesus to die on the cross, he died for your sins. And the message that I bring to you tonight is, your sins are forgiven. And because he's given you, forgiven your sins by allowing Jesus to die, if you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he died for your sins, why don't you tonight ask him to be your Lord and your Savior? For by asking him to be your Lord and asking him to be your Savior, what you're doing is you're acknowledging the gift of God. You're acknowledging that God has paid your sin penalty and that God himself has invited you to be a member of his family, that God has claimed you as his son or his daughter. And all you need to do to to claim the gift of God is confess with your mouth and say, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he has died for my sins and I accept him as my Savior. And if you do that tonight and you invite him into your heart, Jesus will come in and he'll save you. Jesus will come in and give you that gift of eternal life. He will give you new life. You get a new beginning. And all you need to do is confess him with your mouth and believe that in your heart he saves you. So if you do that, if you confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior tonight, what I want you to do is I want you to find another Christian. I want you to find a a pastor, I want you to find a church, and you go in and you tell them that I confess Jesus as my Lord and Savior, and I'm saved, and I need to know more about salvation. I need to know more about this family of God and how I'm supposed to operate within the family of God. I need to know more about how he's changing me and transforming me into the person that he designed me to be. I want you to do that, and if you do that, I'm telling you right now, I'm telling you, they'll help you. There's somebody out there waiting to help you. And if you can't find anybody to help you, you can always you can always give me a call, even tonight. And the guest call-in number is 929-477-2304. That's 929-477-2304. And it, it, I'd be welcome to talk to you tonight. And for those of you who are out there listening to this broadcast, um, you too, at any part of the, at any time in this study, you can call me at 929-477-2304. And for those of you who are watching via Facebook, 
you know what to do. Just type in your question and, you know, kind of just do something to get my attention because once I get going, you know how sometimes I can go off and ride that horse until the sunset and forget that y'all out there. But make sure you get my attention. If there's a question that I can answer, I'm more than happy to answer it. Amen? So, again, those of you who are on Block Talk Radio, um, or Global Drive, rather, 929-477-2304. And Periscope, just type it right in. So, okay, let's get let's go back and let's let's talk about that dirty word that we had last week. And I'm going back to my notes just to um, make sure that we do a quick review and just continue right where we are, right where we were last week. Last week we we introduced the dirty word forgiveness, and we talked about what. First of all, we defined it. It's what I like to do. I love to make sure that we understand what we're talking about. And when we talk about forgiveness, what we're talking about is a word that means to loose, to lift up, to release, generally, or, or to, to lift up a burden. Generally, when we see that word forgive in both the Old Testament and the New Testament, these are the connotations behind that word, forgive. And what we talked about last week is that forgiveness is a kingdom principle and a kingdom practice. Those of us who are part of the kingdom of God, and when I say kingdom of God, those of us who are under the rule of God, who claim Jesus as Lord, who claim God as our Father, we have a practice of forgiveness. Forgiveness is a principle that kingdom believers, kingdom people practice. Amen? And we have to understand that this is not an option. It is actually a command. And it is a command that is so strong that God himself says that if you don't forgive others, then I don't forgive you. And we spent a lot of time last week talking about that because, you know, again, I looked and said, how can this be? I mean, God, you and I, we tight. You died for me. You you sent your son Jesus to die for me. You saved me. And now you're saying that if I don't forgive somebody else, then you don't forgive me. How does that work? There's got to be some nuance in the wording. There's got to be, this got to be an idiomatic saying that it doesn't mean what it says. And as I, we discussed last week, no matter which way I looked at it, no matter where I looked at it, verse after verse after verse that we explored says and supports that if we don't forgive, God doesn't forgive us. If we don't lift the burden up of our brother, if we don't release our brother from their debt, then God does not lift the burden up off of us or release us from our debt. 
and has nothing to do with your salvation because salvation is not contingent upon anything that you do. Salvation is contingent upon what God did. But relationship with God, our walk with God, is hindered by unforgiveness. We further talked about last week that God has made us vessels of forgiveness, and God has made us is making us into reflections of him. And when we looked at that passage last week, one of the things that we discovered is that those of us who fail to practice forgiveness are lumped with the hypocrites. We act like we are agents of God. But in actuality, we are agents of our own flesh. We act as if we are doing the will of God. But what we actually are doing is we are agents of doing what we want to do. And God lumps us with the hypocrites. Remember the passage that we looked at where it says, where, where that preceded uh, the disciples' prayer that we looked at last week? Where that, and I showed you where that passage says, when you pray, don't pray like the hypocrites. And one of the things that a hypocrite does is he prays with an unforgiving heart. He is asking for something, forgive us our debts, that he is unwilling to give as we forgive our debtors. Because we set up that line. We're asking God to forgive us our sins against him when we are not willing to forgive our fellow man who has sinned against us. And so, subsequently, we do not reflect God in the way that we pray and in the way that we live. And our purpose as kingdom people is to be a reflection of God. And the one thing that we know about God is from the beginning of creation that God, God's character is the character of forgiveness. When Adam sinned in the garden, God implemented a plan immediately that ushers in forgiveness. What's the first thing he does? He, ha he kills some animals and clothes them. And the blood of those animals atones for the sin of Adam and Eve right there in the garden. He's looking for a way to restore fellowship through forgiveness. And he gives a promise. He says, I'm going to come along and I'm going to send somebody who is going to crush the head of the serpent. Who is, uh, this person is going to bring about reconciliation. From Genesis in the garden, God's promise has always been restoration and reconciliation. He is going to reconcile man unto himself. And how is he going to do it? Through the process of forgiveness. And so we as kingdom people have an obligation to go forth reflecting God by forgiving the people in and around us who have done something to us. And that was what we really spent our time talking about last, last week. We talked about the purpose of forgiveness, 
And the purpose of forgiveness is reconciliation, restoration, and bringing into existence the order of God, which is unity, which is harmony, which is peace, which is love, which is joy. When we continue tonight, we talked about how, last week, we talked about how it hinders our relationship with God. Tonight, I want to go a little further into that, and I want to talk about what it does, what unforgiveness does to you as an individual. And the first thing that I want to tell you is that there are physical and spiritual or let me say it a different way. There is individual, spiritual, and physical ramifications for walking in unforgiveness. Not only are you in a bad position with God, but you get into a bad position with yourself. When you walk in unforgiveness, you allow a hole in your soul. Now, let me, let me help you with that a little bit. You, when we have a sore on our skin and we don't treat it properly, what happens to that sore or that area on our skin? That area gets infected. And when that area is open and infected, we can get all kind of stuff. Well, imagine the same thing happening to you on your soul, where there's an abrasion on your soul, and it opens itself up to all kinds of infection. And what, what do you mean it opens it up to infection? Well, just like you can get... Um, Gangrene, that's, that's really when you really got a bad problem, with, when, you know, when, you, when your skin is really infected and it's dying. You, and, and, and something has to get cut off when it has gangrene. You can't cure gangrene, sorry. When your skin and stuff start going bad, you know, like with diabetics and all of that, when they, when they don't take care of themselves and they get open sore or something and that sore doesn't heal properly and gangrene sets in, the only thing that they can do to save that person is to cut that limb off. And literally, can you imagine having gangrene on your soul? Can you imagine having a diseased soul? Well, that's what happened because there is a relationship between unforgiveness, and sickness within your body. Now, last week I just gave you a little taste of it, but there is a, a guy by the name of Don Colbert, and he is a medical doctor, and he wrote this book, and I would, I would highly recommend you get in the book so you can really, really read it in detail. I'm going to read a few excerpts from it. And again, this is a Christian medical doctor, by the way, and a lot of the principles that he teaches in this book are backed up in Scripture and backed up by what he has seen in his practice. And one of the things, this book is entitled Deadly Emotions, 
understanding the mind-body-spirit connection that can heal or destroy you. I highly recommend that you get this book. It's called Deadly Emotions. And one of the things that he talks about in here is what happens when we walk, when our emotions um, are, are stimulated improperly. What happens when we walk in unforgiveness? What ha- because unforgiveness opens the door to anger, wrath, hatred. It opens the door to resentment and bitterness. It opens the door to all kinds of deadly emotions that fester within us. And what happened, the way, the, basically what you'll find out is that there's a, there, there's a thing in us that's built into every man and woman that when something frightens us or, or, or something gets next to us the wrong way, we have this thing called fight or flight. Okay. We're either going to stand still and begin to, to duke it out with it, or we're going to run from it. But every time we are frightened or every time we are, 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 um, uh, there's fear involved in us, okay, what we release is we release adrenaline. And adrenaline is, is a, brings a heightened response. You ever hear about somebody that's, that's running and they continue to run or they play at a very, very high level because their adrenaline is flowing? Well, that short burst of adrenaline every now and then is good for performance. But continued long secretions of adrenaline can kill you. And when you are walking around with that deadly emotion of unforgiveness within you, when you're constantly sucking the bile of revenge and, and all of that hatred and I'm going to get them and, and you're always mad and angry, that stuff penetrates through your soul. That's why Jesus says, anger, don't let the sun go down on your anger. Anger but sin not. Let that stuff go. That's what he's basically trying to do. Let me, let me just read a couple of passages from, from, from this book to tell you about, you know, we get hostile. And, and one of the things that he says is about, about 20% of the general population has levels of hostility that are high enough to be dangerous to their health. That's one in five. And listen to what it says about hostility, because usually when we're, we're mad at somebody, we're hostile toward them, and we want to get them. Now, I'm on page 37, and I'm just going to, I'm just going to, you know, if you get the book, it's a wonderful book, but this is what it says, what's happening in you when you allow yourself to get hostile, because oftentimes when we don't forgive a person, every time we see them, we get to, ooh, I'm going to get her. Ooh, I'm going to get him. Just wait. Just wait. And that's welling up inside of us, and we think that's just happening on a mental level. But let me read what's happening in your body. It says, hostility produces very real psychological reactions in the body. Hostile people release more adrenaline and nofenaphrine into the blood than non-hostile people. In general terms, 
These hormones raise blood pressure by constricting blood vessels and increasing heart rate. Angry people also have elevated cortisol levels. As noted in an earlier chapter, elevated cortisol levels cause the body to retain sodium, which adds to the blood pressure problem. Elevated cortisol also raises triglycerides and cholesterol and makes platelets stickier, all of which predispose a person to heart disease. Over time, if the hostility becomes ingrained in the person's emotional identity, the blood pressure problems become more permanent. War, one of the most stressful of all human experiences, can cause a major release of stress reaction hormones. Autopsy studies of soldiers killed during the Korean and Vietnam Wars reveal that 75% of them had already developed some form of atherosclerosis at the age of 25 and younger. Had these young men lived, the internal emotional war zone they had experienced may well have caused just as much damage to their cardiovascular systems as the physical war zone in which they had fought. So when you're walking around hostile because, towards a person because you haven't forgiven them, what you do is you open yourself up to high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease. So one of the things that God is telling us is that if we want to live healthy lives, then, one of the, then don't continue to open yourself up Open your soul up to this sore that can be infected because of unforgiveness opening up a portal for hostility to come in. Because when you read the scripture, it also says, unless you forgive him from your heart. Now, we're not talking about from your pumping heart. We're talk heart um, talks about the seed of your emotion, the seed of your will. Unless you will yourself, unless it's your will and to, to forgive them, unless you purpose in your will that you are going to forgive them, then you really haven't forgiven them. Mm -mm. Forgiveness has to be intentional. It is not just kind of, oh, yeah, 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 just go away from me. We ain't gonna, I ain't going to have that. I'm not going to have that. Um, there's another thing. Let me read this from page how, how, it, how forgiveness will mess with you in terms of your mind. On page 24, it says, A number of people, including a number of physicians, dismiss the importance of mind-body diseases or psychosomatic ailments. Many physicians have been taught that such diseases don't really exist. They are all figments of the imagination. The truth is, they do exist. 
they may very well start in the imagination or in the perceiving and believing processes in the mind, but they end up in very real physical ailments. Talk to any person who has suffered from a mind-body disease for years, and he will confirm that it is just as painful and uncomfortable as any other disease. And sometimes these diseases are more painful and cause more suffering. Don't minimize a disease that has a mind-body connection. Medical research is showing more and more that there may be a mind-body connection to most diseases and ailments, not just a few. Psychiatric diseases that have long been linked to long-term stress include generalized anxiety disorder, panic attacks, post-traumatic stress disorder, depression, phobias, obsessive-compulsive disorder, as well as many other rare psychiatric diseases. The manifestation of long-term stress may also be in the form of physical diseases or ailments, but playing games with chronic, chronic stress places nearly every organ system of the body at grave risk. Unmediated chronic stress have, has been linked to a long list of physical problems, heart and vascular problems, hypertension, palpitations, arrhythmia, dizziness and lightheadedness, mitral valves, premature ventricular or arterial contractions, which is just a regular heartbeats, gastrointestinal problems, acid reflux disease, ulcers, gastritis, heartburn, indigestion, constipation, diarrhea and bowel irregularities, irritable bowel syndrome, inflammatory bowel diseases, including Crohn's disease, migraine headaches, tension headaches, psoriasis, eczema, hives, acne, chronic prostatitis, chronic and recurrent yeast infection, free, frequent urination, loss of sex drive and impotence. Oh, I forgive you. Frequent urinary tract infections, lower progesterone and testosterone levels. Oh, I definitely forgive you. Chronic back pain, fibromyalgia, chronic pain syndromes, tendinitis, Carpal tunnel syndrome, TMJ, asthma, shortness of breath, hyperventilation, chronic disease. Can you see all of this stuff that we open ourselves up to when we walk in unforgiveness and carry all that stress and hatred and all that mess into it? No wonder Jesus said, forget him, jokers. And not only do you forgive them, but you for, how often do you forgive every time, all the time? Do not open the door of your soul up to disease. Now, if, before I put this down, let me say it one more time. It's called Deadly Emotions. It's by Dr. Don Colbert. I would suggest that you read it. There's so much more information in it that will help us in our walk with God. And no, I'm not getting paid for doing this. 
uh, uh, pushing his book or anything, but I just found it so helpful in understanding why God is saying to us, forgive. Now, so, got a problem, got a problem. Some of us want to forgive, and we have a lot of difficulty forgiving, but we can't get it done. No matter what we do, it's like when we, and we know we haven't, we think we've forgiven that person, or we want to forgive that person, but it's just something that we're clinging on to. Let me show you a passage of scripture that's going to begin to help us because there is a connection between forgiveness and faith. And the statement that I want to make to you tonight is that it takes faith to forgive. It takes faith to forgive. Write that down. It takes faith to forgive. I'm just checking my time to see how deep I want to go into things. I want to look at Luke chapter 17 because I've spent a lot of time just talking, just just showing you the fruits of unforgiveness tonight. That's what we did earlier. The fruits of unforgiveness and how unforgiveness will manifest itself in your life individually. In your life individually. One of the other things, and before I, before I go to Luke, I want to say this. Unforgiveness puts you in a place of isolation. Unforgiveness will put you in a place of isolation. Write that down. And I'll talk just, just briefly about that. When, you know, you, 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 you'll stack your enemies up and you'll get to a point where you hate everybody. And you don't want to go around nobody. Because everybody make you mad. They get on your nerves. And right now, it's especially your unforgiveness is manifesting itself in, uh, during, this, during this season in a big way. How is it manifesting? You don't know me. Why are you not going to the family gathering? Or why are you organizing a little bitty gathering of your family excluding certain people? Let me tell you why. Because you have art against them. You don't even bother with them. You can't stand them. And you're the Christian in the family. And so, and then you, you won't go to the family gathering because you don't want to be around all them heathen because they make you sick. But yet, you are the vessel that is packed full of forgiveness for them. And you're allowing yourself to be separated from them and you're, and you're robbing them of the forgiveness of God and the knowledge of the forgiveness of God because you're mad at them. Oh, yeah. How you know that? Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Where you can be the vessel that God uses to bring them into the kingdom, but because you have ought against them that you have yet to release. And you're saying, well, they didn't say I'm sorry. Did you say you were sorry to God before he gave you, forgave you? Uh-uh. Peter sins against Jesus after making the promise that he would never leave him. And Jesus told him, what, before that rooster crow three times, I mean, before the rooster crow twice, you're going to deny me three times. 
No, Lord, I ain't going to do it. I ain't going to do it. cock a I don't know him. I ain't, I ain't with him. cock a I told you I didn't know him. And, and then Jesus comes out, and when he comes out, there's Peter. And then Jesus looked at him like, I knew you were going to do that, but don't worry. I'm going to the cross for you anyway. Now, Peter hasn't apologized. He's shamed. He's guilty. And he just slink on off while Jesus goes to the cross. And here we are with brothers and sisters, uncles and aunts, cousins, all our relatives, and we don't want to go around them, and they're not saved at all. And we don't want to go around them because I don't like them. They did this to me that time. They said this about me. And we're walking around carrying that mess rather than, and full of that, full of that rather than walking around full of the forgiveness and walking up to a and say, Auntie, you know what? God sent me to you with a message. And you know what he said? He said, your sins are forgiven. Whoa. Because did you know that your sins are forgiven? Whoa. But, but I'm, I, man, I know, uh, I know God loves me and blah, blah, blah. But oh, how, how are he going to forgive me? And I'm sitting up in here and I got a fifth of crown in my pocket. It's not contingent upon what you did, huh? It's, I'm telling you what Jesus did for you. And because of what Jesus did, your sins are forgiven. That's what we're supposed to be showing up at the party with. But we don't want to show up to the party or we want to, to, to keep the party small because we, we want to keep the party small because we want to regulate it just to the people that we like and that please our flesh. And that's not pleasing to God at all. That's walking in unforgiveness. And what we say earlier, walking in unforgiveness, when you don't forgive, you can't be forgiven. And we isolate ourselves from our family. We isolate ourselves from our coworkers. We isolate ourselves from our friends. We isolate ourselves because from our neighbors. Why? Because we put them in the jail of unforgiveness, and we need to let them go. We need to release them. Let's look at this. Uh, look at look at Luke seventeen. Look at Luke seventeen, and why why you thinking about that? That person that came to your mind while I was talking, just tell them I forgive you. In your mind, just say I forgive you. I release you from all your obligations. Go and do it. Go and I forgive you. And that's those are powerful words, ain't they? Ooh, and I and you don't even have to speak in tongues when you say it. Just say I forgive you. I want them to understand. I forgive you. Look at Luke um, 17, and I'm going to start reading at verse 1. Jesus said to his disciples, things that cause people to sin are bound to come. But woe to that person through whom they come. It would be better for him to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around his neck than for him to cause one of these little ones to sin. So watch yourselves. If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. 
if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostle said to the Lord, increase our faith. He replied, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be uprooted and planted in the sea, and it will obey you. You see that? Sometimes when we talk about faith, and in another chapter it says, if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and it will go. In this passage, notice what we're talking about. The subject is forgiveness. And what we learn here is it takes faith to deal with the sin. And it doesn't take much faith. It says if you have the faith the size of a mustard seed, there is an association between your ability to forgive and your faith. You must have faith to forgive. The faith in God that he has empowered you and equipped you to forgive. It's not, I mean, and when you forgive somebody, yes, it's hard. It's hard to, 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 to let these things go. And I'm not talking about just act like they're not there. I mean literally say, I forgive you and release them. Why does it take faith? Because it takes God, our trust in God, that we can do what he's commanded us to do. You look at it as an impossible thing. Yes, he left you. Yes, he stole your money. Yes, he was cheating on you while he was with you, while you was loving him or while you were loving her and taking care of him or taking care of her. Yeah, it happened. Yes, you are hurt, and you have every right to hurt, and you have every right to be uh, 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 grieving, and you have every right to cry, all of that stuff all of that emotional turmoil, but you have the command to forgive. And even through your tears tonight, even through the hurt and the pain and the disappointment, have, are you, do you have the faith to say, I forgive you? Do you trust the command of God enough to say, I forgive you? I release you. Yes, you do, because God does not give us a command that we cannot accomplish through the power of the Holy Spirit. When you fix your mouth, when you fix your heart to attempt to go forward in faith and say, I forgive you, the Holy Ghost is there strengthening you and leading you through as you open up the doors of your mind, as you open up the prison of your heart that is held in all that bitterness and resentment. It is the Holy Ghost that is joining you and empowering you to say and release, I forgive you. To release all that bitterness, 
release all that. And even I know right now somebody's you're, you're, you're struggling with it right now, and you're saying, "Oh God!" And look at the disciples when they got this command uh, to forgive. What did they say? Lord, increase our faith. Ooh, they recognize this is going to be hard. And if we've got to do it, if this is an action of faith, because we trust in you, this is going to be hard. Help us with this. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Tell you something else. I want to get this out, too, because we're running out of time. Okay, go over here. We're good time. Turn over to, um, ooh, is that Luke 18? I'm looking at my notes, 1821. No, that's not it. It must be Corinthians. Let me just take a look. I've got notes here, and I make notes when before four classes, and I write them down, and I've got 1821 through 35, and I don't, I didn't, I didn't put the book. And I don't think it's Corinthians because Corinthians doesn't have Second Corinthians doesn't have eighteen chapters and First Corinthians. Let me look and see how much First Corinthians doesn't have eighteen chapters. That's got to be a gospel, and I think it's going to be Matthew eighteen. Let's take a quick look. I'm trying to find it. What was I talking about? Yep, it's Matthew eighteen. Matthew eighteen twenty one through thirty five. Yep, that's what it was. Then Peter, go to Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went out and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I counseled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In, a, in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. 
This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. The master turns the unforgiven over to torture. What do you think we were just talking about over the last, say, 30 minutes or so? The torture of unforgiveness. First of all, in this story, what we see is grace and mercy in action. When the servant who owes much, when that servant who owed much begged his master for forgiveness, that master treated him with mercy and grace. Those of us who have been saved, we owed God a debt that we were unable to pay. And the master treated us with mercy and grace. Now, we have somebody that comes to us and sins against us. And we decide, nope, you're gonna, I want revenge. You're going to pay me back. You're going to say I'm sorry. You're going to take it back. You're going to make it right. And unless you do those things, unless you satisfy your obligation to me, then I'm going to imprison you. I'm going to hold it, that debt against you. I'm going to hold you accountable for what you did to me. Think about that. And what does the master say? I forgave you a whole lot. That little bit of something that they did to you, that wasn't nothing. But yet, you're going to hang on to that? Oh, you're going to torture them with that? And literally, you're really not torturing anybody when you, you know, when you walk in unforgiveness. You're torturing yourself. You're being tormented yourself. The person that, that committed the offense, you know what I found out most of the time? They don't even know they did it, or they ain't studying about what they did. They don't really care. And you walking around here, and you all wrinkle-faced and dry-mouthed and, and beating, beating your body up internally and opening yourself. You got, you're putting all that lotion on your skin because you got eczema. No, Mm-mm, that ain't eczema. That's unforgiveness. You got hardening, hardening of the arteries. That, that, that's not hereditary. That's unforgiveness. You inherited that from your hatred. Yes. I can't, you know, again, I'm, I know that I'm beating this thing. I know that I'm beating this thing. But God means for us to be restored. God wants his creation reconciled to himself. And I'll tell you what's hindering your unforgiveness. You want me to tell you? Fear. It's just fear. It's just flat-out fear. What are you scared scared of? You're scared they're going to do it again. 
You're scared that because of the way that you let them into your life that particular time and you messed around and you went into it for love and you didn't get the love that you thought you should have gotten, you're scared and so you guard your heart. And not, not so much guard your heart, but you walk in unforgiveness in such a way that every time somebody approaches you, the first thing that comes up is what the, what somebody else did to you. Some of the marriages that I know of are going bad, not because the wife is bad or the husband is bad. It's because the wife or the husband was with another person at one time who dogged them out in such a way, and rather than forgive that person who did that, they're still walking around with that imprinted on their soul. And so the husband gets ready to go someplace, or the wife gets ready to go someplace, and all of a sudden you start, they start acting out. Where are you going? Why are you going there? What you stay that long for? Blah, 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 blah. What you spend that for? What do you do? Blah, 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 all that kind of stuff. Why? That man, that man or that woman, they never did nothing wrong to you. That was that other person. And you walking around in unforgiveness, and that thing is manifested in your life every time you see that per- somebody else do something similar. And their motives is completely different. Their motive is that, that, that girl just wanted to go to the store and get her a pair of stockings. And you're accusing her of going down the, around the corner to meet Charlie because your last wife went around the corner and met Charlie. She ain't thinking about nothing. That girl needs some new pantyhose. That's it. But if you learn how to walk in forgiveness and release that other person from the debt that they incurred, then all of a sudden she say, I got to go to Walgreens and get me some pantyhose, or I got to go to this place and get some pantyhose for tomorrow. Then your only comment back to her is, hey, as long as you're going up there, bring me some butter pecan ice cream back. And why don't you get you here, take this money and get you three pair of pantyhose, and that way you don't have to go so often. Isn't that different? Or you say to her, ah, come on, let me drive you on up there. I want to spend some time with you anyway. You know, because you're not reacting out of fear. You're not reacting out of what somebody else did. You didn't got rid of that. That's not even in your closet no more. You let that joker go. You remove the barriers that hinder you in your life, and you open yourself up to the mercy and grace of God. And on top of that, you who are a vessel who carries the message of forgiveness and reconciliation are able to continue to carry that message. And you're not a hypocrite. You really mean it. You really do it. That's so important. But you can't carry that. Hey, how are you going to carry a message of forgiveness when you're full of hell? You're, and you're talking about, I don't like her, but I'm going to let that one right there. I'm let, she all right. He ain't no good right there. I ain't, he ain't getting nothing. And you sitting up there looking like a, a mule sucking on a lemon because you all bitter and everything. Let that mess go. Let it go. It's time for us to walk in love. It's time for us to. You, you ever seen? You ever seen a couple or an individual who's really, really in love? That is something else. When you see that they're really in love, I don't know what I just did when I did it. Oh, how did I do this? 
I I got a new tablet over here, y'all. And uh-oh. I got a new tablet. And sometimes I push buttons that I shouldn't push. And I just pushed a button that I ain't have no business pushing. And I, I did myself a disservice. But anyway, I ain't worried about that because this thing will tell me when I'm coming to an end. And I got about five minutes left. But I want to say to everybody tonight, uh, as we get ready to shut everything down, you've heard the scripture about forgiveness. Now, you want to forgive? I'll tell you something to do. I'll tell you how you can forgive. You ready? Write this down. I forgive you. Every person that you see, every person that you know, every time you look at them, every time you think about them, and you got any kind of art with them, just look at them and think to yourself, I forgive you. Begin to practice forgiveness. And and one of the things I found out is that, boy, I could I'm, I could be petty. I could be really petty. Because I started looking at people, you know, and as I talk to people on the phone and all that kind of stuff, and the first thing that I say in my mind is, I forgive you. And when I say that, most of the time, that person is usually doing something that got on my nerves or uh, there's something that I'm holding against them. And I'm like, I didn't know that was there. And the more I do it, the easier it becomes. Because I don't want that in my life. I want to be a vessel of love and forgiveness. And so I look at somebody and I keep saying, I forgive you. And something else would come up, that, uh, an art that was, I forgive you. And, the, the, and I forgive myself too. Because sometimes I'm mad and holding stuff against myself. And I have to look in the mirror and say, I forgive you. Because guess what God is saying constantly to me? Boy, I forgive you. Practice forgiveness. Now, I know everybody thinks that, okay, the Holy Spirit's going to fall out on me, and I'm going to fall out on the floor, and I'm going to start rolling, and I'm blah, 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 and I'm going to start speaking. To, uh-uh. It might. I don't know. But what I do know is if you just do what the Word says do, you'll get what the Word says you're going to get. So just start, I mean, parents, your kids and get on you, I forgive you. Kids, your parents and got on you, I forgive you, Dad. Just, I mean, begin to say it to yourself. And eventually what will happen is you're going to get in a conversation with them and you're going to say, you know, for a long time I was mad about this that you did to me, but I learned to forgive you and I forgive you. And then what will really make it good, and I'm sorry that I held on to that for so long because, you know, you in my life, I forgive you. Just keep doing it. I forgive you. Let's pray. Eternal God, our Father, it's in Jesus' name that we come to say thank you. We bless you and we praise you for you are good and your mercy endures forever. And we want to experience your forgiveness at all times. And so, Father, make it our business for us to release those who we walk in unforgiveness. Heal our bodies as we release those who we've held captive. Oh, help us, oh, Father, to avoid the plagues of, of, of heart disease and high blood pressure and all those other calamities that, that happen to us when we walk in unforgiveness. And then, God, 
Take it beyond that. Make us vessels of forgiveness. Make us the ones who go around and announce your forgiveness to all mankind by reminding them that their sins have been forgiven through the work of Jesus on the cross. We thank you and we praise you that you answer our prayers. Thank you for forgiving us. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, that's it for this Wednesday. Have a different dirty word next week, and I don't know what it is that God hasn't revealed it to us, but let me leave you, as I always leave you, with a blessing from the Lord, and that blessing, the priestly blessing that stamps his name on you, and that blessing is found in Numbers chapter 6. You know what it is. I always... I always like to read it. I know it by heart, but I always love reading it because when I'm putting when I'm putting the Lord's name on you, I want you to know that you belong to God. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. That's for you and your household and family for neighbors and everybody you come across. We pray the Lord's blessing on your life. And remember to walk in forgiveness because the Lord told me to remind you tonight that you are forgiven. God bless you. See you next week. What? What does that mean? What does that mean? Yeah, I did. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.